Hey, y'all. Thanks for tuning in to listen to the first ever podcast of The Wonder of It All. Cue the music, Living in the Sacredness of Wonder. So if you haven't guessed already, one of my favorite words in the whole world is wonder. I, I love the idea of getting lost in wonder, of living in wonder, of being amazed, of having moments that that take my breath away, of encountering things that that I can't totally get my my head around. And I find a lot of those in the world and in creation. But I also find a lot of that with God. I, I find a mystery uh, with God, and I love that about faith. And so in, in this podcast, uh, we're going to take a journey on on the search for wonder. And it, you know, if you're looking for a podcast that's going to give you answers about faith, and th- this is not really the podcast that's going to do that. This is about the journey. This is about the search. This is about encountering wonder and living uh, in amazement. So I hope that you'll come along uh, on this journey and uh, as we as we ask questions together. So a little bit about myself. My name is Ben. I, I've been a minister uh, for 25 years, and um, I'm a preacher's kid on top of that. So I grew up in a very religious household, a very Christian, conservative Christian household. And I've got great parents who love me, who taught me about how God loves me, who taught me about grace and taught me about Jesus. And and I've been so blessed um, by the upbringing that I've had. But within the faith tradition that I grew up, it was a it was a gathering of people who prized intellect seemingly above all else. At least that's the way it felt to me. That we. Uh, we, we talked about logic and we talked about rational arguments and conclusions. And so we, we treated the Bible like a, a textbook and we looked for the facts and we connected the dots and, and we came up with systems and patterns and uh, modes of biblical interpretation. How, how do we interpret the Bible? And so all of that is good, but what we did is we made those things law and so we said, this is the way you interpret the Bible. And if you don't interpret the Bible, then you must not care about the Bible and, and you must not value the Bible. And you must not believe the Bible is God's word and and on and on. So, so it's very easy in that mindset to delve into legalistic attitudes and practices. And what happens then when, when you prize the intellect above everything else is wonder gets pushed out the door. You don't talk about mystery uh, because we've got God figured out. We, we put God in a box. And... That's just not a faith that that I can accept and live in. It's not the faith I find in the pages of the Bible, which which I believe is a living document. It's a living, breathing book, and and it's constantly opening my eyes and my heart to something I haven't seen before. But that faith tradition kind of excluded wonder. And so I found a struggle— particularly when I went to college. Uh, I, I lived I lived the first 18 years of my life off of my parents' faith. Uh, this is what they taught me. This is what what I believe was true. And, and like I said, they, they were great, great parents. They loved me, loved God. So I don't have any complaints there. In fact, I probably get my, my desire to live in wonder from them. But when I went to college, I had to develop my own faith. I, I realized that as good as an effort my parents made 
to teach me about God. I had to come to my own conclusions. And so, so I began a search. And really what prompted that search was we all have moments in our lives when what we believe doesn't seem to always measure up to what we experience. And so this creates a tension in our lives as we try to figure out, well, are my beliefs correct? Am I, am I, am I missing the point here? And, and that tension between our experiences and our beliefs actually provides incredible growing opportunities uh, to get a little deeper in our faith, to get beyond canned answers and get beyond just spitting out random Bible verses, but really digging in deep into to who God is and, and the mystery that's found uh, in Jesus. One of the pivotal experiences for me uh, happened uh, when I was in college, and I went to a Christian college, and a lot of colleges will have uh, speaker uh, seminars where they bring in different speakers. And for for this college, it was called a lectureship. It was an annual Bible lectureship. And they would bring in different well-known speakers and they'd have big keynote sessions in a, in a big auditorium. And then they would have classes for three days or so that you could go to on a variety of different topics. Well, at part of this lectureship was what they called a forum. And so you'd have about four or so uh, biblical scholars sitting at a table on stage in the big auditorium. And then people could ask questions. Now, sometimes people would have to submit questions in advance, but sometimes there would be a, a hot mic. And so in this one particular lectureship, I was sitting there as a student. I was curious and a lady got up and she began to bear her heart. I mean, the emotion was raw, the, the hurt, the pain. It was, it was evident to everybody. She, she was really struggling. And she laid out what was happening in her life and her faith struggle and, and her emotions poured out as well. And, and one of the, 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 the men on stage got up and he began to address her comments, except he didn't really address her comments. He, he began to, to call her back to the Bible which, you know, it's not a bad thing, but he began to quote verses. But the problem was he never validated her. He, 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 never, he never listened to her heart. And I think sometimes when we push wonder out of the picture, we quit listening to people's hearts. We, 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 we go back to an old standby of these are the answers. You need to study the Bible more. You need to memorize this. You need to pray harder. You need to go to church. And there's nothing wrong with those things. But if they push out wonder, if we allow them to do that, uh, then I, th I think we miss a lot on this spiritual journey. So this podcast is going to be about uh, transparency. For the past six months or so, my wife and I, since this pandemic started, uh, we've been doing uh, online streaming on Wednesday nights. And um, so we'll, we'll deal with the topic um, or we'll deal with some scriptures, usually both. And we've been dealing with well, things like marriage and parenting. Uh, mental illness is something that we talk about a lot. Faith and trauma and how to live in hope. How, how to process life through the good times and the bad times, through faith and through experience. And it's been, these six months have been good. And we thought, well, what if we put out a podcast? And then we said, you know, there are literally thousands upon thousands 
a podcast already. So does the world really need another podcast? And we thought, well, let's try. So look, if you have a podcast that you really like, that speaks to you, that blesses your life, stay with that podcast. But if you want to come along with us on this journey, that's going to be a little crazy at times. Remember, we're not going to give you the answers because we're still searching for the answers. But if you want to get lost in wonder, if you want to live in amazement with us on this journey, then I hope that you'll you'll come along um, for this for this uh, trip. So this is going to be transparent. We're, we're going to be honest. Look, I'm, I'm a preacher. And unfortunately, a lot of times I really have to guard what I say because if, you know, someone's going to hear it at church and someone's going to say, oh my goodness, did you hear what Ben said? And, and we can't have that. And, you know, it's not, it's not always a healthy thing for a preacher to share struggles because those can get used against you at some point. But I think at this point in the game, I think I, I value honesty and transparency a, a lot more uh, than protection of, of, of what people are going to say and worried about that. And this kind of goes against the faith tradition I grew up in, because when you deal with a, a logic and rational arguments and a one, two, three steps, here's what you do, um, you don't really encourage transparency. Growing up, I can remember people sharing struggles and and being given canned answers, like the uh, story I told you about my experience at at the lectureship. Um, although, when someone would actually, um, in the faith tradition I grew up in, at the end of the sermon, the preacher would offer what was called an invitation, and everyone would stand and sing a song together. And if you needed to come forward to repent of your sins, to confess your sins. Or to be baptized, uh, you know, that would be the time to do it. And so that always provided fodder for gossip. If someone came forward and and just poured out some horrible sin in their life, which, you know, and I'm not sure how helpful that was to people. I, I do think that some people tried to minister, but but other people just talked about it. But I can't remember anyone uh, ever saying, I'm depressed. Um, I, I've been diagnosed with bipolar, I'm OCD, uh, I have Tourette's. I can't remember anybody sharing struggles with mental illness and being given resources that would actually help. And, and so we want to talk about that today because, um, or throughout this podcast, because mental illness is, is a real struggle. And I'm really happy to see how more churches are stepping up to address mental illness and, and to try to remove the stigma of it, because the stigma is real. The, the woman I mentioned in that Bible lectureship, at least publicly, nobody offered her any resources. Nobody really validated what she was struggling with. And this lack of knowledge of how to address mental illness is crippling. I think we learn from Jesus how to do this, but we don't always put it into practice. And so what happens is churches are not quite the safe places they think they are in order for people to share. And sometimes we exasperate the feeling of being alone. Now, let me make it clear before we, we go any further in this episode. Look, I'm not a professional therapist. I'm not a licensed counselor. I'm someone who's felt the sting and the struggle and fought the stigma of mental illness. Uh, my wife, who will be a frequent participant in this podcast, has been very open in sharing her struggles with mental illness, and I'm going to let her tell her story uh, when she comes on. 
But what I want to be, and I know she wants to be, we want to be resources to anyone who is listening and anyone who is fighting similar battles. Look, you're not alone. There is help. And it's critical to seek counseling if you're struggling. Uh, I've been through counseling on several different occasions. Uh, God has has put me in uh, contact with some wonderful health, mental health professionals who helped me process things. And um, in, ter- in terms of my faith, in terms of experiences, in terms of emotions, and that's been so beneficial. I, I tell people, look, I-, I take my car to get it tuned up, right? I take care of my car. We, we go have a, a, a health wellness, yearly wellness visit at the doctor. It's important we also take care of our mental health as well. So when you talk about mental health, um, we're going we're gonna to talk from time to time about things like depression and anxiety disorders and OCD, uh, eating disorders, uh, bipolar, PTSD, um, Tourette's, on and on. We're going to talk about these things. And, and what, what we have to understand about mental illnesses in general, um, there's a variety of factors that go into or go behind uh, mental illness. It could be something as far as something you've inherited, or it could be some environmental exposure you've had in your life, or or it could also be um, something's not connecting uh, in, in your with your neurotransmitters. And so the challenge is to get the help that you need, because there is help out there, and to, to step away or outside of the stigma. I don't think the stigma is ever going to be totally erased, but don't let the stigma hold you back. And sometimes that stigma produces this shame or this feeling of shame. People look at you like, oh, he just couldn't get it all together. Just poor guy or poor girl or whatever. But what I found in in, in my struggles and also in, in talking and listening to other people as a minister is that faith gives us a context to understand our suffering and our illnesses, whether it's physical or mental uh, faith gives us this context, and and I found faith to to be incredibly helpful uh, in this regard. So, you know, one of the most stressful things that that we go through is being a parent. Uh, we've got three kids. Uh, we have a, a daughter who's married. We have a, a son who is uh, in his last year in college, and then then we have a daughter who's a junior in high school. And so we we have three kids who are all different. Our t- our first two children are biological. Our, our third child we adopted when she was uh, we got her when started fostering her when she was five years old. And so we've had different experiences with all three kids, but it's been stressful. And sometimes um, you feel like I know I felt before like man I am in way over my head. This parenting thing is not as easy as the books make it sound. Look, there are some great, helpful books out there, but come on, let's be honest. You're going to have to experience it, okay? And the first time you're a parent, give yourself some grace because you are literally learning on the job. When I think about stresses of parenting, I think about a story found in the Bible. It's in the New Testament in the book of Luke chapter 2, and the setting is Jesus is 12 years old. You know, we don't get many stories of between Jesus's birth and his public ministry that starts when he's 30 years old. 
there's a big gap in there where we don't have a lot of information, but we have this one story. He's 12 years old. And so remember, Jesus grew up in a Jewish family, so he was taught Jewish customs. Uh, they lived according to the, the Jewish way of life, and that's how they practiced their faith. So he and his parents go to Jerusalem to observe uh, one of the most important events for a Jewish person, and that is Passover. Uh, so this was a yearly custom, and so the family would, would leave. People would leave wherever they live, and they'd go to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover because Jerusalem is where the temple is. And then after the festival, they'd return home. And that's how this story is going along. But there's a problem when they leave Jerusalem. Jesus is not with them. It seems that his parents thought that he was with some other family members, but they can't find him anywhere. And they search for him for three days until they finally find Jesus. Uh, the story is a parent's worst nightmare, leaving a child behind, a, a son wandering off, a daughter who's lost. We worry about such things, and, and that worry causes mental distress. In fact, you know, one definition of worry is uh, for something, it, it causes mental distress because we're thinking about something impending or anticipated. Um, have you ever thought about the worst case scenario or you think about, you, you just default to what's the worst thing that can happen? And so we constantly think, oh my goodness, I'm going to get this or this is going to happen or this horrible thing is going to take place. It's it's habitually painting a worst case scenario. It's negatively framing Every communication, someone gives you a compliment and, and you have a hard time accepting it because you're framing it automatically in a negative light because that's your default. We negatively frame every diagnosis. We, we look at every problem from a negative angle. But here's the deal. The Bible presents an alternative. And that alternative is to give all your worries and cares to God for he cares about you. A guy named Peter wrote that in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7 in the Bible. But he's not the first one to talk about worry. Jesus talked about worry, and he, he told us that, look, we, we cannot change the course of our lives for the better when we worry. We can't make our lives longer, but what we've learned through medicine and health is that we can shorten our lives by worrying. Now, I know that's dangerous to say because if you're like me, you may think, oh, great. So how many years have I already taken off of my life because I'm a chronic worrier? Well, here's the deal. This is why this is important, that we, we, we learn to give all of our worries and our cares to God. Um, because there's a tendency for one generation to pass on destructive habits to another generation. As worriers, we in turn give our worries to our children, even if we don't intend to. We end up casting our anxiety on the next generation. So the Bible says there's a better way to live. What if you give your worries to God? What if you cast your anxieties on God? So the question is, how do we do it? So here's a few things that, that I've tried in my life. Of course, Prayer is one of those, but I've also I've also written things down. One of the, one of a great exercise that I found for me at least is is keep a notebook of all your prayer requests. 
uh, write down like the date and say, I prayed to God for the job interview. Or I prayed to God for the test that I was facing, or I prayed to God for this relationship. Write it down, date it. And then every six months to a year, go back and read through all the things you wrote down and see what happened. And I found that to be a very faith-affirming thing. Some things I was worried about, I really didn't need to be worried about. And sometimes when we don't write things down like that, we we forget about them in our head. You know, we chalk stuff up to, oh, what a coincidence that that worked out the way that it did. Or we forget just how much emotional turmoil that worry was causing us in our lives. And so it's a good reminder. So I encourage you to do that. Another thing that that I've seen people do is they will write down their worries and they will rip up that paper or they will burn that paper or they will put that paper, piece of paper in a shredder. That's their way of physically giving their worries to God. Okay, I'm going to write this down and then I'm going to be done with it. I'm going to give it to God. So that's a couple of ways to give our worries to God, to cast our anxieties on God. But look, when it comes to parenting, and it's not just parenting, worrying can can become second nature. I mean, have you ever said to yourself, I don't think I can handle this? Uh, Maybe it was as a parent, maybe it was in a marriage, or maybe it was in a job or with neighbors or at church or whatever it was, some challenge that you were facing. You just, I just, I'm just not up to this. I don't feel like I can do this. And that can bring stress in our lives. I mean, think about all the times as parents that we encounter moments that bring stress. The first time you heard your baby cough, of course, now in 2020, if you cough, everybody immediately thinks COVID, right? It's it's a very real fear. Or how about your child's first day at school, leaving your child behind? Uh, the first time your child goes on an overnight trip. I mean, parenting is tough. With, with my three kids, my oldest daughter, she was so excited that first day of school. I was one that had a hard time leaving. My son, our middle middle child, he sat there and bit his lip trying not to cry. Oh, that was a hard one. And then my my youngest child, she didn't even want us to take her to school. She wanted to ride the bus from day one. She was just so excited. But those are all moments that, that cause stress in parenting. It's tough. And I don't know if, if we worry more today than previous generations. I've heard someone say that, but I don't know how true that is. I imagine people in the past were pretty stressed out during World War I or the Dust Bowl, World War II, Vietnam, the financial collapses on Wall Street, uh, infectious diseases, hurricanes. I mean, you, you name the calamity or the catastrophe. We've always had things to worry about. And, and so how we see past the worry begins with reframing our thoughts. And so starting our thoughts with God and not with our worry. And I think that's one reason Jesus tells us to pray. Um, And when he gave us an example of prayer, he taught that we should begin our prayers with a focus on God. Think about it. When, when When we start our prayers with our worry, our worry becomes our God. But if we start with God, if we focus on God and then give that worry to God, knowing that he cares for us, well, then we're reframing the whole situation. 
there's this really cool story in the Bible. It's the, a prophet named Elisha, and he's being pursued by a wicked king because this king thinks that Elisha, because he's a prophet and has a connection to God, is, is learning their man, military maneuvers and telling the enemy. So he, he wants to capture Elisha. Well, he, he finds out Elisha's location, and he sends a large contingent of his army in the middle of the night to surround Elisha. So here, here's Elisha. He's camped out with a servant of his, and the servant gets up the next morning, and he looks around, and he sees troops everywhere. They, they are surrounded. And, of course, what does a negative thinker, what does a warrior do in such moments? He thinks the worst. And so he tells Elisha, look at this, we're, we're, it's over. And Elisha tells him to direct his vision beyond the threat that he can see. Now that's a tough thing when it comes to worry. Because we focus on the threat we can see. And we forget there's something that lies beyond what we can see. And so the story's told in the Old Testament in a book called 2 Kings chapter 6. Elisha tells him, don't be afraid. And then he says this, for there are more on our side than on theirs. The next thing Elisha does is pray. He says, oh Lord, open his eyes, let him see. And God opens this young man's eyes and he looks up and he sees the hillside where this army has surrounded them and surrounding that army are horses and chariots of fire, the army of heaven. The story is good because it reminds us that worry clouds our vision. We focus on what is wrong rather than on the one who can handle all things. See, worry limits our vision. We see the obstacle, the threat, the problem, but we fail to see beyond the problem. We fail to see the one who is bigger and stronger and wiser than the problem, the one who sends a greater force to surround whatever has initially encircled us. So, look, I want you to know you're not alone. And I want you to, to tell yourself that when the lie comes that you're alone and that no one could possibly understand you and no one could accept you with, with your struggles. I want you to speak truth to your lie. You are not alone. That's the truth. There are others struggling in similar ways. That's the truth. There's a community that can help and support you. And I believe you have a God who loves you. That's important to know you're loved. That's a truth I've come to believe. As I identify as a Christian, it shapes my responses to everything in life. Look, I don't like how the church has ignored mental illness in the past. I don't like the stigma of those connected to those who share their struggles, but there is progress being made, but there's much more to do. So tell yourself the truth this week. And remember, one aspect of that truth, one important nugget of that truth is that there is hope. Look, I'm, I'm here because I have scars, and I'm going to share more of those scars as the podcast goes on. And I, I imagine if you're listening, you have scars as well. But I think we can keep learning how to live in the sacredness of wonder. Louis Armstrong sang a song uh, what a wonderful world. And, and there's a line in the song that really resonates with me. He says, and I think to myself, what a wonderful world. And then here's the line that speaks to me. The bright, blessed day and the dark, 
sacred night. There's a sense that even no matter how dark the night gets, there's a sacredness to the night. And that dark night will give way to the bright, blessed day. And so we can find the sacredness in those long, cold, dark nights. And that's how we learn to live in the bright, blessed day. But those scars, yeah, beauty can come from them. God can make scars into something beautiful. Scars are what enables the light to shine through us. You've heard all of that. But they're still painful. So if you're beat up, if you're bruised, if you're bedraggled, to borrow a, a term from Brennan Manning, I want you to know that this is a safe place. And be great if you'd come along on this journey. Let's get lost in wonder. Let's live in amazement. Let's embrace the sacredness of the mystery of life in God and faith and how all of this intersects. So thanks for ju- tuning in on this first podcast. I hope you'll come back. We'll do this on a weekly basis, and I hope to hear from you soon. So please, you can send messages or whatever. Maybe there's a topic that you want to hear, or maybe there's a question that you have. Hey, I'm here to listen. Would love to get feedback from you. Until then, take care and keep living in wonder.